And so let's pursue him. Let's long for him together. I invite you to stand. We'll join our voices in singing. His mercy is more. And if you're new, the lyrics are in the, uh, the worship guide on your chair. again together. What love could remember no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, His mercy is more. What patience would wait? As we constantly wait, what Father so tender is calling us home. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the
Father God, we take this, this time this morning to, to sit in the goodness of your gospel, to remember why you came to earth, to remember the great, great work that you have accomplished for us, and your death on the cross and your triumphant victory over death. Jesus, your spirit is here with us and dwells in the heart of every believer. I pray that your spirit would open our hearts this morning to receive truth, the truth of who we are how poor, how hungry, how weak, how sick we are 
and how good and how gracious and how giving and how satisfying you are, Jesus. And uh, though we may, we may come from uh, a place this week or an attitude this week that um, has difficult time uh, speaking that in truth, I pray that your spirit would soften our hearts, uh, soften our attitudes, and uh, give, us, give us hearts that long for you and give us hearts that seek you, seek your righteousness, and are ultimately grateful for everything you've done for us. We praise you for your gospel. We praise you for you, our God, our creator, our savior, our friend, our brother, our king. Jesus, it's in your great name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you guys don't mind to be seated. So again, welcome to Redstone Church. Glad that you guys are here. And I'm going to invite Sally Skier to come on up with me. It's going to take just a, a couple of minutes. You know, sometimes we pray, sometimes we talk about missionaries and different things. Um, but in this case, we're going to talk about, uh, I guess you'd call it a class, right, um, that Sally's going to, going to offer on the topic of progressive Christianity. And so depending upon what you read or, or watch, you may or may not be familiar with that term, uh, but it's something that all Christians ought to be aware of, I would imagine. Um, so why don't you tell us, what is it? I know you have some prepared remarks, but what is progressive Christianity? Um, why should we care? What does it look like in the culture and that sort of thing? And, and just see where, we, see where it goes. Well, it's hard to nail down because progressive Christians, one believes one thing and another believes another thing. It's basically whatever you believe is fine, what resonates with you, your authentic self, it's self over Jesus. Um, it's a worldview that elevates personal beliefs and experiences over true theology of the Bible. And it concentrates on social justice over Jesus. So the Gen Xers and the Millennials and that group of people are have deconstructed. They've seen the church that they grew up in um, being hypocritical and not caring enough about social justice issues. And I think they're right. I think they're very right. And they do work with social justice way better than the... Bible-believing church does, mm -hmm. and so there are things that we can learn from them, but they take the importance of Scripture and devalue it, yeah. so it's whatever resonates with you, so yeah. your Jesus could be different than my Jesus, yeah. so you can be anything you want as long as you're authentic. Yeah, so a lot of relativism, which is what we see in our culture, where what's true is true for you, what's true is true for me kind of a thing, and there's also a, a, oftentimes a redefining of terms. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, Holiness might mean coming together when in actuality, biblically, it means separate from. And so they redefine terms, and it sounds really great. Like, well, who doesn't want that? Um, but it's not true biblical um, grounded principles. And so we want to be aware, like, what's being taught and discussed, and, and what is the truth of the Word of God? So you're going to right. offer a class? Yes, we just started last Friday, okay. but we're not meeting this Friday because everybody's out of town. It's from 10 o'clock until 11.30 on Fridays in the church office. Okay. Um, so you go through coffee company and go up the little steps and go upstairs then. And um, we'll just be talking about it. We're going over a book called Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. And we'll have a good time diving in. And we'll step on toes because we'll be mentioning names that you might not want to hear that are starting to believe in progressive Christianity. Yeah. That's good. She's a great author, too, and a, and a great speaker on she that is. topic. Yeah, that's great. So if you, if you need to know more or would like to be, you know, hear a little bit more about it or more about the class, um, come find Sally, and uh, she can tell you a little bit more. Anything else that you want to say? No. Okay. Well, yes, yeah, actually. Go for um, it. The main thing, um, 
progressive Christians believe is that humans have progressed in terms of morality, thought, and practices. So there's now no definitive truth anymore. Mm. Everybody, it's your truth and my truth and everybody's truth, yeah. and it's all considered equal. Yeah, that's very, so, very dangerous. That's it. Absolutely. Well, let me pray for, for you, the class, and, and that discussion and our, the rest of our time together. Um, so, Lord Jesus, thank you for, um, for your word, that it is absolutely true, um, that it reveals who you are to us, um, who you've created us to be, and um, just the truth of sin and, and grace and restoration through the gospel. Um, and so we just thank you that you have given that to us, Lord. And so we pray um, over this discussion of progressive Christianity, knowing that um, there are wide-ranging um, beliefs in culture and in a world that's very connected, we can watch um, or listen to something, and if we're not truly aware of what your word says, um, it can cause uh, distractions or, or waywardness, Lord. And so we just pray over those that are discussing this topic, and Sally and everyone else involved, that it is um, something that is glorifying to you and to edifying to those that are a part of it, and just continue to point us to your truth. Help us to remain steadfast in it, um, to consume your word and be people who love and study it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, Sally. So if you are a kiddo and are going to Camp Redstone, if you want to go to the back of the room, Ms. Nancy's back there. There's all some other teachers, and they will take you guys on to class. And so while there's the murmur of little voices and little feet, I'm just going to do a couple quick announcements, and then we can all stand up and, and shake our hands really this way. But I always think like just standing up and waving our hands around. For some reason, that's just what's in my head. Um, so some quick kind of announcements by way of just kind of reminders. And all this stuff is always on the Church Center app. And so if you have the app, that's a great place to go. If you're like, what's an app? And you don't know what I'm talking about, then come find me and I will help you put it on your phone. It's a very helpful thing. Um, so the ladies are, are continuing their Genesis study that they began last semester. And so if you haven't been a part of this and you want to be a part of it, I think there's a way to sign up at the back table. And there's a few ladies um, that can help you with that. I think Mackenzie's here today. I'm sure she can answer questions if any lady has an interest in that. Definitely recommend it. Uh, again, that progressive Christianity class is being studied on Fridays. Make sure you see Sally about that. Um, men, in case you're feeling left out, there is a breakfast this coming Saturday at 9 a.m. here at the church. And, and so Adam Stein is going to be providing some, some breakfast, some pancakes, I think, and other things. And so he would really like to know who all wants to come so he can make enough food. And so again, talk about that app again. If you go on there, you can click on signups, put your name down, and they will make sure that they have food for you. Um, but that would be a good thing just to get together, eat food, and fellowship together. And uh, also, if you're not in a discipleship group for the men as well, see Adam about that. And the last thing that we keep mentioning to you, April 30th feels like a really far way away, and you're like, you know, I'm not going to worry about that till like the week before April 30th. Um, but just a heads up, we are going to have a combined service with the Redstone Church, Johnson City, and it won't be here. It'll be at Doe River Gorge. We did it two or three years ago. It's a great thing just to see two bodies come together and see how God has multiplied his church in that way. And so that'll be at 4 p.m., on Sunday, April 30th. I think that's all for now. So if you don't mind, take a minute, stand up, say hello to somebody around you, and then we'll continue on shortly.
All right, everyone. You want to slowly make your way back to your seats. Wow, you guys listen pretty well today. I think we have a few people missing, so maybe it's a little bit easier. We'll just blame it on those that are absent, that are the ones that usually talk the most. Um, so again, good morning and welcome to Redstone. If you don't know who I am, my name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here. And I was not supposed to preach today. Not that that's a bad thing. I'm thankful for the opportunity. But it's good to be forthright and let you know. So Jerry was supposed to preach. And he called me yesterday like two or three and says, hey, so I have COVID and you're preaching tomorrow. I'm like, okay, great. And so he sent me a sermon. Now, this is not the first time he's done this to me. Um, no offense to him. A couple years ago, he had COVID again. And it was a day that I moved houses from one house to another, and he called me at 9 p.m. like, hey, you got to preach tomorrow. So 2 p.m. is better than 9 p.m. the day before. Um, but what that tells you is I'm preaching Jerry's sermon and not my sermon, and so it'll kind of change just the way that I interact and, and speak today, which is not a bad thing. It's just to let you know it's not that I haven't prepared, it's just I had 24 hours or less. Um, and that's okay. I am thankful for the opportunity and to be able to dive into God's Word with you guys today. So we've been spending a few weeks in a series um, called the Realia of Food and Drink. I may or may not be pronouncing that correctly, um, but that's okay. And so it's been a, a good series, I think. We're going to be in it all the way until summer at least. And so what we're doing is we're looking through the Gospel of Luke at all the times that food and drink are mentioned. Um, and we're using it as a tool of what is Jesus doing in these moments in which food and drink are present. How is he using it as a tool or an opportunity to sit down with other people and to have conversations? Um, and we, of course, like food and drink, and we have a table logo on our, on our church logo, and so we just think there's something magical. That's not a good Christian word, so don't, don't hold that against me. But there's something happens when you sit down at a table with somebody else, and you have food and drink, and all of a sudden, conversations start to happen that don't naturally happen when you stand up in front of someone and you're doing small talk for a minute or two. And so it's a great tool that can be used with people inside the church and outside the church to be able to talk about Jesus. And so with this series, it's been a few weeks of just kind of heavier content, um, which is great. Today is also somewhat of a heavy topic. And so the hope is that it's heavy in a way that we just kind of let it sit for a little bit and have a little bit of time before communion later, in which we can just kind of spend a little bit of time praying and talking about uh, talking to God today. Um, so last week, if you're here with us, Jerry preached um, in Luke uh, this moment in which Levi, who we often know as Matthew, is called to follow Jesus. And so there's, there's this great moment, and I love the story uh, when we dove in a little bit deeper in community group, because you have Levi, and he's sitting doing his job as a tax collector, a very hated kind of person, in first century Palestine, and Jesus looks at him and says, follow me, and he gets up and does. Um, and we don't think a whole lot about that, like, wow, that didn't take much. Um, but if you also really just think about who he is, he's leaving his identity and his livelihood behind. And then not only does he leave those things behind, but you see the, the joy that Levi has, because then he's like, hey, why don't you come over for dinner? And so he has Jesus and his disciples over and a bunch of other tax collectors like him and, and all these people, and it's just this joyful celebration of, look, Jesus has called me. And you see this complete separation from his previous identity to who he is as a Christ follower. And so it's this beautiful thing. 
And of course, you see the Pharisees and scribes, they're present as well, and naturally they're not happy about what's going on. They just continually get more and more upset, and they don't like this moment in which Jesus, who's proclaiming to be a teacher and proclaiming to be the Messiah, of course, um, is eating with these sinners. Like, why in the world would you do that? And it's because they are a part of the old ways. They're like, look, we've followed these rules, and we've done this for all this amount of time, and you're trying to do something different, and we don't like that. And so they're stuck in that old way, and they are missing out on the opportunity of seeing the kingdom of God present on earth. So if you missed last week, go back, listen to it. It's online. It's a, it's a great uh, message and looking at our opportunity and our responsibility as Christians to be on mission and to make Jesus known to others as well. Um, today we are in Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 26. It's in your worship guide. You can look on your phone or in a Bible or on the TV as well. Uh, but we're continuing on with this series. And so I want to read it aloud for us. Um, and if you'd like to follow along, this is the word of the Lord. And so he, being Jesus, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. So let me pray one more time for us, more for myself, somewhat selfishly, and we'll continue on. Um, so King Jesus, again, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that it is alive and active, that it um, is able to accomplish your purposes, and that we get to hear it and to listen um, to your word proclaimed. And so we just ask in this space that you are glorified and magnified, that each of us, myself included, we are humbled before you, um, and that your word accomplishes its purpose, um, that your spirit is active and moving through our hearts and our minds, and help us to be receptive now, and help me to to speak clearly and communicate effectively. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, context is key when it comes to studying Scripture. If you don't understand the context of what's going on in a passage, oftentimes you can misinterpret or misunderstand Scripture. So just a little bit of background to let you know kind of what's going on. Um, so Jesus has been going through, he's doing his earthly ministry, he's doing lots of things, he's healing people, right, the, the lepers and the sick and the lame and um, those who are dead, and he's casting out demons. Um, not only that, but he and his disciples continue to do things, again, that anger the, the Pharisees and the scribes. They're walking through fields on the Sabbath and collecting grain to eat, which was a really big deal um, to them during that time period. Um, and then he continues, again, just doing more and more things on the Sabbath. And so these religious leaders are like, what are you doing? There has been this law for thousands of years, and you're proclaiming to be this, and you're doing the exact opposite. There is no way that you are of God. And so they're frustrated. And so all this is going on. Lots of things are happening. 
And then you have Jesus, he spends the night in prayer, and he's coming down this mountain with his disciples, and he's giving this message, this sermon, which we know of as the Sermon on the Mount. You're probably more familiar with it from Matthew chapters 5 through 7, because there's a lot more detail that comes from Matthew's account. Um, But Luke also gives uh, some snippets of the Sermon on the Mount. And truly, we could spend weeks and weeks looking at just the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe one day we will, um, but we're kind of using a a little bit today to help us to understand um, something that Jesus is trying to communicate. Um, And so again, he's given this Sermon on the Mount. There's religious leaders that are present, and they they don't like what they're hearing. They don't like what's going on. They don't like that there's this large crowd that's following Jesus and listening to him and kind of forsaking them and, and their power as well. And so he gives this amazing sermon. And so again, it's just a quick glimpse compared to Matthew. Um, but Jerry, in preparing the sermon, wanted to confess, so I get to confess to you as well. If you look at this passage, you're like, there's not actually food or drink in this passage. And this is kind of a sermon series on food and drink. And so we're kind of cheating a little bit, taking some liberties there. Um, but instead, Jesus uses the words hungry and full and satisfied. And so if you begin to understand what it is that he's saying, there's no way that you can just skip over this passage. There's something really profound and life-changing in Christ's message here for us today. And so we didn't want to skip by and miss out on this opportunity. And those terms are loosely related to the idea of food and drink because the terms that he's using by being hungry and full and satisfied are physical terms in the way that we understand it, but he's speaking spiritually. And so again, he's using food and drink Um, theoretically, hypothetically, to communicate something for us to understand. And so that's why we're sort of cheating a little bit. But I think it'll be well worth your time. Um, So as we continue, we're going to focus really on what's in red on the screen, verse 21 and verse 25, and looking at those particulars. So again, Jesus says, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. And he says, Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. And so Jesus has this amazing ability to take what we understand to be true and to flip it on its head and for us to realize, like, oh, I don't actually get it. Um, And he has something else to communicate to us. So blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. But woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. And we'll look specifically at blessed, hungry, satisfied, and full as terms for us today. So a quick question, and if anybody's brave enough to yell out answers, feel free to do so. But has anyone ever been hungry before? And I mean like truly hungry, not like my son. He's 18 months old. He eats three breakfasts every morning and then snacks and then lunch and snacks and dinner. He just never stops eating. So not like that kind of hungry, but has anybody ever experienced true hunger before? One of us is is honest enough. Yeah, maybe a couple of us. Good. So what kind of physical feelings do you experience when you're really hungry? All right, some pain and discomfort. Irritability, yes, I know that well. What? Weakness, yeah, you might feel a little faint or dizzy in some cases. Anything else? Despair? Exhaustion, maybe some headaches, right? Some different things, right? We've, we have experienced hunger at different levels before. Um, one of my classes I took in seminary a few years ago was on spiritual disciplines, and so you can't just learn about spiritual disciplines, you have to experience them. And so a professor had us fast a couple of times and kind of keep a journal. And I had never done it quite to that degree before. 
And so my wife, Rachel, pointed out, you know, if you're that irritable, then you're probably missing out on what it means to fast. And, and she was right. I wasn't the nicest person to be around, and I'm like, that's not a spiritual thing. Um, so there's a right way and a wrong way. But the point being, we um, know when we're hungry because our body lets us know, right? It gives us some warning signs like, hey, I would really like some food right now. And so there are times in which we are hungry and we eat, but if we're honest with ourselves, there's also times in which we eat and we're not hungry, right? And that could be for different reasons. Maybe there was free food. You're like, oh, free sample? Yes, please, because who's going to turn that down? Uh, maybe you just passed by something and it smelled so amazing, you're like, I've got to have some of that. I'm so hungry. Um, or whatever. Maybe we're distressed or depressed or lonely or, you know, you're bored and you're like, well, here's some food. I'm going to do this. Uh, there's lots of reasons in which we maybe eat when we don't need to. So there's different levels of what we'd experience as hungry. There's just being downright hungry. I haven't eaten in hours or maybe even days. Um, there's just life's kind of hard right now, and so I'm going to eat in this moment. Or like, well, it's 3 o'clock. I haven't eaten since 6, and I'm hungry. So there's different levels or experiences of hunger, whether it's true hunger or false hunger. But we need to understand and remind ourselves what it means to be hungry because Jesus is using that word for a reason to communicate to us. So when you go back to our passage and you look at the word hunger in Greek, I don't know Greek. I didn't take Greek in seminary. Uh, some people know Greek here, and they can, um, I'm sure, point it out later. But there's a word that might be pronounced paneo, and so it means to strongly desire, to long for very much, to be needy or in need, or very simply, this is easy, to be hungry. Hungry means hunger. And so this passage is talking about that true hunger. Not just like food was there and I took it, right? Or like, well, it's been an hour or two, I'm going to eat something. But this is like a strong need and desire. Like I haven't eaten in several hours or maybe even days. I need something or I'm not going to make it in this moment. It is a deep hunger. And so, of course, Jesus, again, he's not talking about food. He's talking about a spiritual sense. And so if you go and you look at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus there says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And so that is what he's communicating to us here. So the meaning of the word is the same um, in terms of hunger or desire or needing or thirsting, but specifically Jesus is talking about righteousness. And so righteousness means uprightness, just or justice, to be right with, to cause to be in a right relationship with, or obviously to be made righteous. And so it's this sense of being completely whole and forgiven, of having a right relationship with a holy God, like before the fall, living rightly, always being just, and so much more. It's this not only a standing of who we are, but it's also a, a living in which we live that out, um, in which we are living in a way that is consistent with the character of our Lord and what he has called us to. And so he's saying, blessed are those who are in desperate need of righteousness. He also, again, looking at blessed and just understanding what that means, it's a concept that we are aware of, but just a sense of happiness or fortunate or things that are, are going well in a sense. And so if we begin to put it all together, loosely paraphrased, blessed or happy or fortunate are those who hunger for, strongly desire for, 
righteousness, a life living uprightly, justly, in right relationship with God and with others. So blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. Blessed are those who understand their deep spiritual need. They are aware of the need that they have that only Jesus Christ can fulfill. This need, just like when you're really, really hungry, you, you, you have a sense in which I'm not okay. I need someone. I need Jesus. I need his righteousness. Blessed are you when you hunger at that deep need and, and look for it being fulfilled in the right place in Jesus Christ. And so in talking about this righteous hunger, what Jesus is telling us is if you have that righteous hunger, if you come to me and say, Jesus, I need you each and every day, not just at one point in my life of coming to faith, but I desperately need you and your righteousness. I need you to help me to live in a way that you have called me to live. If you come to him in that desperate state and cry out to him, he says this beautiful word, he says, you will be satisfied. Satisfied. What a word, what a promise that is to be satisfied. If you think about your own life, you think about this world in which we live, everybody in the world is searching for something. And they're trying to fulfill a need, whatever it is. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's a certain social standing, a certain group of friends, a house, a marriage, a kids, a whatever it might be. Satisfaction, security in our finances or other situations in life. Peace. All of us are searching for something. And the world, left and right, offers us so many things. Take this, do this, follow this, say this, be this kind of person, it'll make you happy. But it doesn't. In the end, the only thing that can satisfy is Jesus Christ. And so he offers this beautiful promise, if you hunger for righteousness, if you hunger for me and cry out to me, you will be satisfied. That is beautiful. We could just leave and contemplate that, and that would be enough for today. And so as Christians, I think we maybe go through different seasons of this. I think we would all, if we're honest with ourselves, say, yeah, I, I want to seek Jesus Christ and his righteousness, but oftentimes we don't. I know for myself, I, I tend to find comfort and satisfaction in so many other things. I'm very hard-headed, and God has to continue to, to teach me what that means to be satisfied in Him. And if I'm honest, there's been a short season in which different things have been hard lately, and I think God in His, in his loving kindness allows those things to happen sometimes, so that way I realize that I'm pursuing other things instead of Him. So that I come to the end of myself and I'm like, Jesus, you're it. Help me to be satisfied in you. And he does. He promises this. Um, but just to, to continue to help us to understand, what does it mean to be satisfied and full? We go back to food and drink to help us to kind of picture this. 
Um, so last summer, our elder teams, that's Mike and Jerry and myself, um, we went on an elder retreat. And these are great. We love elder retreats. We work a lot. We got a lot done. I told Mike ahead of time, this was his first one with us. I'm like, dude, we're going to work all day, like sun up to sundown. There might be a little break, but we're talking nonstop. We're walking. We're at a restaurant. Whatever we're doing, we are working and praying and doing things. And so we get a lot done. Um, and we really felt this time like God just goes before us like he does every time, and we felt a sense of direction for the church, and so we're thankful for those things. Um, but in terms of food and drink, uh, Jerry told us in advance, like, hey, we're going to go somewhere special on Saturday night, so wear your best. So Mike wore some good khakis and flip-flops, and, and off we went. <laughs> we didn't know where we were going, but Jerry's like, you're going to love it. So we went out to eat to this place called The Gamekeeper. If you've ever heard of The Gamekeeper in Boone, um, it's a place that you've got to get your name on the list months in advance because people are going all the time. And I don't even know how to describe this place to you. Like, the atmosphere is really fun and amazing. It's a place that I wouldn't normally go to because, I, I mean, who can? Um, but it's this great place, and then the food is phenomenal. And so if you imagine what a gamekeeper is, you think of, like, hunting and meat, it's, it's that, right? There is just a plethora of meat and all kinds of amazing things. And so everything that we ate, like even from the salad, I took one bite of a salad and it's like bursting with moisture and flavor. I'm like, this is the best salad I've had in my life. And then we had like our main courses. And so we're eating all kinds of different things like elk or duck or caribou or whatever. I mean, just imagine whatever you can, can think of. We ate lots and lots of meat. And then we were like, you know, we're, we're pretty full. And they're like, well, there's this dessert that's amazing. Like, okay, bring it on. So we ate more and more and more. And so we had a great time. We're discussing church stuff. We're telling stories. We're making fun of Jerry. We're laughing. It's just amazing. And so in the end, we like shut the place down. We're like the last people to leave. And after all of that food and drink and laughing and, and conversations and things, we were satisfied in the earthly sense in which there was like, I cannot eat another bite. I have no desire for anything more. I am full. I am satisfied. And so that kind of moment, if you can think of times in your life in which you've experienced that level of just complete satisfaction, Jesus offers that and so much more in himself. And if we can understand that, but not just mentally, but if we can in our hearts believe that Jesus truly offers satisfaction, it will change our life. I think oftentimes we hear that like, yeah, yeah, Jesus offers satisfaction, but I'm feeling or experiencing these things. You don't get it. And Jesus says, no, 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 none of that will satisfy you. You get those things that you're searching for, you will continue to be hungry, but I will satisfy. So again, satisfy, another Greek word, ask Luke and Brandon, um, kratadzo, and it means to be fed, filled, to be content, to be satisfied. Close enough? All right, good. Thank you. Thank you. So Jesus, in this moment, again, he is on mission. He's shaking things up. He is changing the status quo. He is communicating in a way that is blowing people's minds, either in a good way, like, yes, I want that satisfaction you offer, or in a way for like the Pharisees, or at least those that didn't believe, they're like, no, 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 we like the old way better. And so in the sermon, he is communicating to those that are poor and meek and peacemakers and those that are persecuted for his sake. And then he's also talking about being hungry and fed and satisfied. And he'll give more examples, which we'll look at later on. But in addition to understanding what it means to be satisfied and hungering for this righteousness, we also need to know what the opposite is. 
And Jesus, as he does often, is juxtaposing these two things of hungering and being satisfied and being full and later being hungry. And so that's what he says to another group of people that are present. Woe to you who are full right now, for you shall be hungry later on. So full here is the same type of word as being satisfied. Woe to you who are satisfied right now, filled up, have enough, quite full, and are in no need of what I am offering to you. So we look to Matthew again. You can look there as kind of filling out these things. But Jesus is saying that if we hunger for him, we will be satisfied. But if we are content with our life right now, the way that it is, if we are finding satisfaction, getting our fill from all the other things that the world offers that we tend to chase after, then we are truly missing out and we will be hungry. Maybe you've had a thought in your life. I'm sure we all have. I have many times where we say something to the effect of, if I could just have blank, I will be happy. If I could just get to that point, life will be okay. If this one thing could happen, I won't need anything else. But then you, sometimes maybe you get that exact thing. And it might be good for a little while, but then you turn around later on and you have the same thought. If I could just, man, if I could just get there, if I could just have that next thing, I'll be happy. And so Jesus' warnings to his hearers then, to the scribes and Pharisees who were satisfied in their own righteousness, to you and to me today, if you are looking to anything else in this world to satisfy, if you're like, no, I'm good, I don't need what Jesus offers, or if you're like, well, I may need it later on, but right now I'm okay, you're missing out. You will continue to be hungry and needy And like our world, you will continue to search for things and for people and for experiences to offer satisfaction that only Christ alone can give. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 tells us not to love the things of this world, to not desire the things of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and pride of life, because these things are not of God. And these things will pass away. And so if we connect that kind of thought and, and the word there to, to hear, if you look for people or experiences or comfort or security or your health or anything else to satisfy your needs, anything other than the righteousness of Christ and living your life righteously as an act of worship to him, then in the end you will have missed it. You will still be lacking. You will still be empty. You will still be hungry. You may temporarily think you are full and satisfied, but in the end, hunger will remain. Unless you think, I can worry about that later on, you might miss out. You might get to the end of your life having searched for and pursued all these other things and look back and realize you missed it. That none of those things are fully satisfying. Because in the end, it is Christ alone. And so whether you're on this earth until tomorrow or 50 years from now, 
The world will tell you all these other things will bring satisfaction, but they will not. What you and I desperately need is Jesus and his righteousness. He says, I will satisfy your needs. Christ and Christ alone. Consider these words also from Philippians 3, 18 through 19, which says, For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. Their God is their belly. Again, words being used to help us to understand what's being said. These people, they want to walk with Paul, proclaiming the good news, hearing the word of God preached, and in the end, they search for the world to satisfy their desires instead of Jesus. Because their minds and their appetites were on earthly things, that was their true God. That is what they longed for and worshipped, the worship of self. What I want, what makes me happy, what makes me full, what will satisfy me, me, me. They were looking for satisfaction through the world, and they spent their life eating, consuming, experiencing, chasing, desiring, thinking that they were full. But in the end, they were simply hungry, lacking, and empty. In this, in this passage, in this message today, I want you to feel the weight of these two things. And I want you to be very intrinsic in your thinking and look to your own heart and be honest. Because if you're like me, there's a lot of days where I'm not seeking and desiring Jesus. Not fully, not completely. And it's very easy to be distracted and caught up into thinking about ourselves and thinking about these other things that will bring satisfaction. And we miss out. There's a lot at stake in this passage for us today. Your eternal satisfaction is at stake in this passage today. The glory of the Lord is at stake in this passage today. We must feel the weight of what it means to be hungry and to be satisfied and ask ourselves, what am I looking to for that satisfaction? As another example, you can look back, as Jerry mentioned, I think, last week of the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And um, in this moment, you have a tax collector who is completely humbled and broken. He's not even looking to heaven. He's beating his chest, and he knows, he knows, I am spiritually needy. I don't have enough. Financial stability as a tax collector was not enough to bring satisfaction. And so he was crying out. And then you have a Pharisee who's like, at least I'm not like that guy over there. The Pharisee was satisfied in his own personal righteousness. And Jesus says, woe to you who are full right now, for in the end you will be hungry and it will be too late. So back to Luke um, today, our, our passage. After saying these blessed are yous and woe to you statements about being hungry and full, Jesus continues with a sermon. If you go back and look at it, we're going to look at the rest of Luke 6 just in, at the end today. 
he continues to just give this powerful message and flipping things up to, upside down and helping us to understand what his kingdom means and looks like and what it means to pursue righteousness in Christ. But as we continue today and as you leave and walk out of here today, as you pray today, I want you to ask a really important question of yourself and be really brutally honest. Am I hungry or am I full? in the sense of the Sermon on the Mount. Am I hungry? Am I aware of my need? Whether you don't know Jesus or you've walked with Jesus for 50 years, do you understand your need of Him and His righteousness? Or are you full and satisfied by other things in your life? Maybe you ask yourself, have I ever truly accepted this gospel message and made Jesus the Lord in my life? Or maybe, again, you've trusted in Christ and you're like me and you're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I want to be satisfied by him, but there's this really great thing right here. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning and the world's going to throw stuff at you and you're going to think, oh yeah, that's what I need. If I can have this, that, do this, be that. None of those things satisfy they are distractions. They are empty promises that cannot fulfill. Are you content with where you are? Or do you understand your need of Jesus and you cry out to him, please, be enough? And he says, yes, I am enough. You will be satisfied. A few weeks ago when, when Jerry kind of started this series and he started with a sermon that he just called the, the preface to this um, he mentioned the story of the woman of Samaria, the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And this is yet another place in which we can see what Jesus offers us. You see in this moment, um, Jesus and disciples are traveling. They're all hungry. So he's like, you guys go and get some food at that town over there. I'm going to wait here. And he was waiting because he knew that there was this lady who was coming for some water in the middle of the day when nobody else would be there. And she, her life was a mess because she had spent her life trying to be satisfied in other things, trying to be satisfied in one bad relationship after another, one bad decision after another. She spent her entire life trying to fill herself up, as you and I often do. And Jesus knew she would be there. He wanted to meet with her because he had something to offer that the world couldn't. He, had, he wanted to show her a better way, a way of righteousness. And so it's this beautiful moment, you're probably familiar with it, but go back and read it today, of just this exchange at the well where she doesn't quite get it at first. You know, he's like, hey, can I have some water? And they go back and forth about water at the well, and he's like, I have something to offer you. I have a water that will never run dry. And she's like, you don't have a bucket. How are you going to get this water? He's like, no, 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 you don't get it. And in the end, she gets it. Because he's saying, you will not be satisfied by these relationships you're pursuing but if you choose me, I will satisfy you to the fullest. It was a promise she couldn't pass up. And so then you have these disciples, they come back with some food. Like, hey, you know, Jesus, we got some food. He's like, I'm good. I'm satisfied in this moment. And he was satisfied because he was doing the will of his father. He didn't need anything else. They're scratching their heads like, where did he get food? Like, no, no, no. He was satisfied in God, satisfied in this righteousness of doing the Father's will. He had received a food that, that they didn't know about. 
And you can read it again in John 4, 34. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So again, you see food and drink all the time throughout the Gospels. And Jesus is communicating a message through this theme of food and drink. And so throughout his life, Jesus providing this example of what it means to put the needs of others first and to pursue this righteousness, to do the will of the Father, to turn the other cheek. A hunger for righteous living for the glory of God. And so in this case, in this moment, he was fully satisfied in a way that food can never offer that satisfaction. Obedience to the Father alone is what satisfied And so I think as we are understanding this passage and we're asking ourselves, what am I pursuing? Am I pursuing the righteousness of Christ? We can see how he alone offers satisfaction and how there is great freedom and satisfaction in living out the life that he's called us to live. Not as a means of getting to something, but as a result of something. We get to live for him as righteousness. We get to have fellowship with him. We get to continually, each and every day, cry out and say, Lord, give me more of you, and he does. So as we begin to close, we're going to read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount in um, the Gospel of Luke. Because again, Jesus is giving more examples, painting a picture of what it means to have this righteous living, a life of of following Jesus and, and living for him that is the opposite of what the world offers to us. But as we do so, there's some questions for you. They are in your worship guide if you want to reference them. But questions to sit in today, questions to take into your week, to discuss in community group, to really prayerfully search your hearts. Those questions are, do I hunger for this kind of righteousness and righteous living? Am I hungering for Jesus? Do I hunger for a life where Christ lives through me for his glory? Do I hunger for him and for intimacy with him? such that nothing else can satisfy? Or maybe, have I forsaken my first love, Jesus, and no longer hunger for righteousness, but I'm seeking to fill myself with the things of this world? Or have I ever truly even been clothed with the righteousness that comes from believing the gospel message alone and believing in Jesus? We're all in different places, you and I, And so we look to the Word to to tell us what it means to be satisfied and what this righteous living looks like. And so Jesus will will offer this to us in the Sermon on the Mount. And the truth is, this life that he calls us to, this righteous living, there's no way you and I can do it on our own, in our own power. We're never enough. We need the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit. And so we can take the truth of the gospel, the truth that Jesus will satisfy the deepest longing of your hearts, and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, and we can live a life that glorifies and pleases Him and that satisfies us to the full. So ask yourself, Lord, and what am I hungering for? So with this, with the Word of God is what we consume. The, the table's been set, and on this table is the Word of the Lord, and we get to experience our amazing God and what he offers us. So I want to read again the rest of Luke 6. You can either listen or or follow along. Let's continue to feast on on his word and the righteousness that satisfies. So 
Um, in Luke, again, 6.20 all the way to 49, and then we'll allow us to just kind of sit and pray with that. So Luke chapter 6, verse 20 and following. The word of the Lord says, And he, Jesus, lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And for one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead, can a, blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall down into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out that speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good measure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why then do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them 
I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. So through this sermon, we see a life of righteousness, a life that we cannot attain on our own, and we cannot attain if we're searching for satisfaction in anything other than Christ as our foundation. Jesus is, again, juxtaposing what is common to man and and their ways and and what is of Christ. One is good and one is not. The other offers pleasing and satisfaction, and the other does not. As we close, I want us to spend a few minutes, a good, long, awkward silence, a few minutes of just praying. And so you, you can pray individually by yourself if you want to. You can pray with somebody near you. You can find a, a pastor, a community group leader, or, or whatever you'd like. But I want you to just sit for a few minutes to ask the Lord, Lord, show me what am I seeking satisfaction in? And if you cry out to him and say, Lord, help me to be satisfied in you and you alone, he will answer your prayer faithfully. Spend a few minutes, and then I will continue us in prayer, and, and we'll take communion. So bow your heads and just cry out to the Lord. Lord, we, we pray and we confess. I confess that too often my heart is satisfied by so many other things in this world. 
by my own comforts and desires. And we all confess that none of this is ever enough. That in our searching, we will never be satisfied by what this world offers. Lord, but your word says, and we know it's true, help us to believe in our hearts that you and you alone offer complete satisfaction. Help us desire your righteousness, righteous living that you offer through your blood, through your resurrection, through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Help us not to leave today forgetting the truths of your word, but help us each and every day to begin our days, to end our days, crying out to you and say, Lord, be enough. Help my heart to desire you and the things of you and not the things of this world. And our faith is weak. Help us to believe the truth that you are enough, that you will be enough. And in your kindness, show that to us, Lord. Thank you for the blessing of, of your presence, of the Holy Spirit, of your steadfast love, your grace and your mercy that are fresh and new each and every day. And to help us now as we take communion, to take it, um, the, the physical example of food and drink, showing us what it means to be satisfied in Christ and Christ alone, and help us to celebrate the fact that you offer satisfaction. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so that's exactly what communion does for us, is it shows us Jesus is enough. So Paul, in writing in 1 Corinthians 11, he writes and says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that was broken for you. The body of Christ that is broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup and after supper, saying that this cup is a cup of the new covenant, of a right relationship offered to you. And it's my covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it and remember it to me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so as you take communion, remember that Christ is enough each and every day. To the depth of our spirit, he is enough. So there are men in all corners of the room. You can take it individually or as groups, but I encourage you when you're ready to stand and take communion and, and to pray, and then we'll continue and worship with the doxology.
lot of silence today, which can be uncomfortable, but um, I find my mind going back to the things that were spoken this morning. Uh, today, we're going to end with just a song. Uh, this song will act as our prayer. So um, if you're ready, I invite you to stand, and we're just going to sing this together, the, uh, the doxology, which is in the back of your worship guide. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Sing that again. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Would you stay and help pack up chairs um, and have a blessed Sunday?